Welcome to the Gospel Saves podcast, a program that discusses all matters related to the Christian faith. I'm Wade Stanley, an evangelist with the Church of Christ. Please visit thegospelsaves.me for blogs, videos, and Bible studies. You can also find The Gospel Saves on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus challenges us to pursue a greater righteousness than the scribes and the Pharisees. But what does this greater righteousness look like? He warns us about the destructive potential of anger, that anger for no cause is tantamount to murder. Thus, we should seek reconciliation with our enemy quickly. Reconciliation is more important than worshiping God, and we should not trust third parties to settle disputes on our behalf. In these instructions, strains of humility, meekness, and peacemaking rise to the surface, compelling us to higher planes of morality. In the last program, we left off in Matthew chapter 5, around verse number 20. We've been studying the Sermon on the Mount the past few weeks, and as we concluded last week's program, we were talking about how Our righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees if we want to enter the kingdom of heaven. The righteousness that Jesus talks about in this series of teachings has to do with the heart. It has to do with how we think, how we perceive, and how our conduct is very much rooted within our heart. As we come into this next section, we're going to notice a a pattern develop. Jesus is going to talk about how the Jews had once heard it said or heard it taught, thus and so, and then he will follow that up with, but I say to you. What we see taking place in the Sermon on the Mount is a, a deeper understanding of what it means to follow after God. That Righteousness goes beyond just simply checking things off of a list. If we want to be righteous, we need to do more than just do the right things. We need to make sure that our heart is in the correct place. And that's the righteousness that Jesus is going to describe for us in these upcoming verses. We begin in verse number 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, You fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. You might remember in the book of Genesis that the third sin was a murder. Cain saw the sacrifice that his brother gave, that that sacrifice was accepted by God and his was not, and that drove him to envy and jealousy, and and ultimately he ended up murdering his brother for it. We see during the time of the flood that the earth had become very, very violent. And in the days of Noah, God looked down and he saw that, that man's heart was continually turned over to wickedness. In the ninth chapter of the book of Genesis, after the flood, God reveals this command to Noah. He reiterates the command he gave to Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. 
He places upon every bird and every animal, everything that moves on the earth and the fish of the sea, a dread of mankind, once again establishing man's preeminence in the created realm. He, in verse number three, turns every living thing over to man, that man can eat any living thing in addition to the herbs of the field. However, in verse number four, he says, but you shall not eat the flesh with its life, that is, its blood. Surely for your lifeblood I will demand a reckoning from the hand of every beast, I will require it, and from the hand of man. From the hand of every man's brother I will require the life of man. Whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood shall be shed, for in the image of God he made man. And as for you, be fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply in it. God is teaching us that human life is valuable. Apparently, this was something that was lost before the flood. Cain murdered his brother, but he did not suffer the death penalty for it. And it would seem that that continued to be the case prior to the flood waters overtaking the earth. But following the flood, God makes it very clear. If a man takes another man's life, then he will demand the murderer's life as payment. This is a law that supersedes whatever covenant man is under. And it's reiterated in the old covenant as well. That's what Jesus is quoting. Later on, when God speaks the Ten Commandments to the children of Israel, he says, you shall not kill, you shall not murder. Jesus says, you've heard it said, you shall not murder. And certainly we can see in other passages in the New Testament that it remains a sin to, to kill another human being. But once again, Jesus is after something that's deeper. He's after the heart of man. And so he takes us below the surface, beyond the murder, to what would motivate a murder. He says, if anyone is angry with his brother without a cause that person shall be in danger of the judgment. You know, anger is a natural reaction. It's an emotional reaction. Sometimes we can't control when anger comes upon us. It just sort of bubbles up unexpectedly. And sometimes there are justifiable reasons for anger. Paul says, though, that we need to be angry and not sin. And in other passages, particularly in the book of Proverbs, we see that anger is something that should be controlled, never something that should be acted upon. Jesus says, if you're angry with your brother without a cause, you're in danger of the judgment. The old law said, whoever murders his brother shall be in danger of the judgment. Jesus says, if you're even angry with your brother without a cause, you shall be in danger of the judgment. And you shouldn't call your brother names. Don't call him a fool. Don't call him an idiot. This sort of destructive language is a sin in the eyes of the Lord. He goes on to talk about how we need to be reconciled with one another. That when we have a, a misunderstanding or if there is sin involved, we need to take care of these problems quickly and swiftly. He says in verse 22, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar... And there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. 
You know, there are some things that are more important to God than worship. And Jesus touches on one of those things in these two verses. He said, if you go to the temple to worship God, and you remember that you have offended your brother, that your brother has something against you, stop worshiping and go fix your problem with your brother. And once you have been reconciled, once there is peace between you and your brother, then come back and offer your gift. God wants his people to get along with each other. As Jesus is going to talk about later on, God has made peace. We also saw back in the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. If you want to be a child of God, you need to be the type of person that seeks a solution to the problem. You need to be the type of person that is willing to yield, willing to concede, willing to admit when you are wrong and ask for forgiveness. I don't understand why this is so difficult for us. I know that I have my own struggles in this area, so I, I sympathize. I don't understand why it's so difficult, but there are many times that it is. A lot of times pride gets in the way. Sometimes we, we just don't want to admit that we're wrong. We want to hold on to our point of view, even when it's obvious that it's the wrong point of view. This is not the Spirit of Christ. And it's certainly not the attitude that God desires for us. So think for a moment. Is there someone in your life with whom you have some problems? The two of you are at odds with one another. And you recognize that you're at fault. That you've done something to offend that neighbor, that brother, that sister, friend, or family member. Well, be like God. Be like the Lord Jesus Christ. Be a peacemaker. Go to them and try to fix the situation. Now, I think we always need to bear in mind that not every situation can be fixed. As Paul says in Romans chapter 12, as much as it lies with you, be at peace with all men. So we can be a peacemaker. We can seek reconciliation but it requires the other party to, to yield as well. In my experience, if we're willing to go to someone and say, I've done wrong, I have wronged you, my friend. If we're willing to look at a situation even when we are, even when we have a hard time finding reason for fault, but see something that could be done a little bit better. If Even if we're willing in that sort of situation to approach them and to say, you know, I could have done this better. That willingness to yield, that willingness to concede can help fix problems. Don't be hard-hearted. Don't be stiff-necked. Be like the Savior. Be like your Heavenly Father and be a peacemaker. In verse 25, Jesus says, Agree with your adversary quickly while you're on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, the judge hand you over to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, 
You will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. Whenever we find ourselves in, in a legal battle, perhaps someone is suing us or perhaps the threat of a lawsuit has been directed toward us. How are we supposed to be? Are we supposed to harden our stance, stiffen our backs, and stand up? No, Jesus says, be agreeable. Find a way to settle things before it gets to court. In how many situations in our legal system would we find no reason for a lawsuit to be heard by a judge or a jury if simply one or both parties was willing to take the advice of Jesus? Agree with your adversary quickly. Be willing to yield. Be willing to concede. Don't think too highly of yourself. Be humble and meek. This is the attitude that Jesus is teaching. And it, my friends, is the attitude we all should pursue. Thanks for listening to the Gospel Saves podcast. If you found this program useful, please visit thegospelsaves.me to find blogs, videos, and Bible studies. If you enjoyed the music on this podcast, please visit acapeldridge.com. You can also find Acapeldridge on Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. May God bless you as you seek to know His perfect will.